Welcome to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Welcome back to another episode of Mission LHC tonight. We're so excited to be joined by Scott and Tracy Adams from out at Holly Pond. Or Good Hope. Uh, well, that, it it depends true. on it. I, it depends I on think it. of y'all in green. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, they live in the Holly Pond area. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, uh, hey, I've known both of these, uh, this couple for a long time. Knew them before they were even married. Uh, used to play ball against Scott years ago. I was not good enough to play against him most of the time because I was younger. Well, he is a little bit taller than you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I lot can't, slower. Yeah, but uh, I always loved how competitive he was. I was that way too. You know, uh, I think we, we, it was kind of the way we were raised by parents that had a lot to do with that hard work ethic. And you know, you might be out uh, athletic. Out, oh, I can't even say it. You might outdone on the outdone court, yeah. on the court yeah. but you might not be able to. You, you better not be outdone on your effort, and that was something yeah. my dad always came about with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell us a little bit. I know about you, but tell us a little bit about yourselves. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I'll just say we're kind of where we're at right now. You know, of course, me and you have known each other for a long time. We've gone through the education system. Matter of fact, as you're just bringing that up. Not only play against each other, but we also very early coached mm-hmm. against each other. I was volunteering at Holly Pond. Yes, yep. it. West Point, you and Tim Burleson, and we yep. go against it with JV basketball. So, uh, man, the time is hard to believe that that's been like thir- over 30 years ago. I know it. Uh, but yeah, I, I am uh, retired part time. Um, stayed at Holly Pond for a couple of years uh, after I retired uh, part time. And then, of course, my oldest son, Drew, became the basketball coach at Good Hope, got the opportunity to get back involved with basketball. Um, and and that's where I'm at now. Two periods a day, helping him and um, having just loving it right now. That's awesome. Just loving being back in that situation. That's making me think about like, all right. So today we had institute, and I don't know if I've ever felt as old as I felt today. <laughs> you know, nice. I'm looking around at all the young faces, and just hearing you talk about you guys coaching against each other back then. I mean, that was y'all. That was all of us. We were the young guns then. Well, yeah. And I remember them calling. There was some of them that would call a group of us the young guns because we were all <laughs> about the same age coming in. And, you know, it's kind of weird in education. People do hiring in cycles. Mm-hmm. There would be a whole group of people about the same age. They kind of run together. They play ball together. They're competitive with each other. And I just think it kind of comes in waves. Mm-hmm. And then, but unfortunately, a lot of people go out in waves. Right. And uh, But you know what? That's what it's all about. And, and one reason we do this podcast is we're trying to pass some of the things, our life experiences, along to people. And, you know, we never had it figured out. And I'm just glad that people poured into our lives and stuff. Uh, Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm about to start my 33rd year in education. Scott and I both started the same year. So I retired at 30. So this is my third year to be part-time. And I am uh, split the math teaching unit at Fast Track for Industry with my sister. That's awesome. So we have a, a great thing going. And, of course, 
the rest of the time I spend trying to chase all the kids and grandkids and keep up. All right, I gotta take a time out. All right, so I am not from Coleman County, so I am continually surprised at who's connected to who. So April is your sister. That is correct. <laughs> Mind blown. I mean, why didn't I know that? I don't know. Yes, she's my younger sister. Okay. We well, taught years sense. side by side, both math teachers. The year we retired, uh, she had 25 years. I had 30. Okay. I'm the that's, older. That's awesome. And that's been a good experience there with y'all being able to do that. So that brings up right there, you know, I'm talking about why we do this. There was people that poured into our lives that really influenced. Nearly every educator had someone that influenced their life that allowed them to be an educator. What what made you guys want to be teachers, either one of y'all? You want to go first? Well, I thought about that before, and... And I was one of those guys, when I finished high school, I was so wrapped up in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I admire these kids that know what they want to do. Right. I wasn't one of those people. I, I wanted to stay in high school. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to keep living, you know, living that life of not having to worry about things and getting to play ball and all that. And so, didn't really think much about what I was going to do. And my dad being a teacher uh, and a coach, uh, he had two brothers that were both in education we were just surrounded by people in education, so it was just natural that I just kind of mm-hmm. went into that. So I just kind of defaulted to that, really. Uh, I wasn't um, smart enough to go into something major. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you were smart uh, enough, but so I just kind of defaulted to that. I like, like being around sports, and honestly, like a lot of people do, uh, guys do, I probably went into it to be a coach more yeah. than a teacher. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm glad I did. It's really kind of all I knew. Uh, but, um, look, there's worse things that you can spend a career on. All right. And and you did a great job in the classroom because that same driven personality, you realized mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I could have done better, I'm sure, but I was driven a lot of times because I didn't want to do anything halfway. Mm-hmm. And you're the same way, and that's one thing I admire, and I think why we respect each other so much. I mean, I can't go to the parking lot at the workout gym and see trash without wanting to pick it up because that's kind of how we were raised. You know, I've shared before, my dad had me to do things like weed eat the yard, and you better do it all. You just couldn't mow the yard. You had to do the little things. I didn't understand it at the time, but I'm glad later, and I know... You probably have done the same thing with your children. Mm-hmm. I carried on a lot of the same things that I had been taught. And um, we were hard on our kids. And sometimes I felt like too hard. Mm-hmm. But now that they are grown-ups, they don't have any regrets. Like I didn't have any regrets either. But you you brought up that. You mentioned your dad being a longtime coach. Uh, yeah, I remember. He was coaching when I was at West Point, And we had some unreal battles, West Point mm-hmm. and Holly Pond. People don't don't understand Coleman County basketball during the '80s was some unreal teams that was there at the time. I mean, people going to the Final Fours and different things, making the playoffs, it, and it was crazy. You might be the fourth or fifth team in Coleman County, but you still were going making it down in the playoffs deep. But um, well, so we'll talk about him. We'll come back possibly on that in a little bit. Tracy, tell us a little bit. What got? You, what? Why did you want to go into education? I think probably it was just a calling on my life. I mean, I knew forever that that's what I was going mm-hmm. to do. 
Um, my mom would say that that's all I ever played when I was little. I was always <laughs> yeah. a, I was always a teacher, and wanted everybody to you know go that route. When we even when we were tiny at Granny's with all the cousins, you know, I was the teacher <laughs> always. So I, as I got older, I knew that's for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to do. But I would always have some people who would try to persuade me to go other routes. Well, by you being a math teacher, you probably were great with math, and they probably wanted you to do something to make money. You can be an engineer. You can do this. But I think a lot of times, I've shared my story already on here, and I didn't have any uh, thoughts about even being a teacher. And all my daddy and them knew that you really needed to go to college to be successful. They didn't know what because they came up in the hard work, and my daddy worked at a plant and everything. Well, I wasn't even going to college, and I worked with my uncles in construction right out of when I quit high school. Basically, Daddy was like, you're pretty much going to work since you're not going to do it. Let's make a correction there. You didn't quit high school. No, sorry. <laughs> when you finished high school. Well, I, I mean, meant the end of it. Well, I almost quit. The high school principal is a high school prophet. I mean, good catch, Amanda. No, you go a long way. I come a long way. No, when I got out of high school and graduated... Uh, I ended up uh, going to work in construction, and I went with my uncles, and we were waking up about 4 or 4.30 in the morning and driving to Birmingham, and we would stay and wouldn't get home to 5.30 or 6, and you was working. It was either going to be 100 degrees during the summer, or if you were doing it in the winter, it was going to be about 10 degrees, and, and I'm, I said, Dad, I believe I think I might want to go to school. <laughs> well, and then I just so happened to get in with a good group of people that were going to be educators, and I, I thought, you know, that's something I'd like to do, and I'll think back to people that influenced my life. I loved history class and different things, so I became a history teacher and started coaching, and that's kind of my story, too, but now I realize that it was a calling. You know, I've, I've been lucky to be in the, you know, this right here we feel is a mission field that we're doing right now. But I feel like I've been a mission field my whole life. And a lot of people that work jobs, they they work a job that they're miserable with. I, I don't really feel like I had to work hardly any day. While I've been in this, it's been something I've enjoyed. Uh, any thoughts on anything like that with y'all? I've loved my years in education. And, you know, when I see former students and they have those fond memories or they go in to be a teacher Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, other areas of our lives and you see that you've had the chance to influence them, I've never once regretted it. It was, it's been a great career and, I mean, that's why I still want to do part-time. It's not so much financial as it's because I still like that contact with the students and... I don't want to give that up. No, and and they still need people that care. And, you know, that's the whole thing. There's a lot of people, I think, go into jobs sometimes. You know, if you had to chose that, uh, Coach Adams, if you had chose it and didn't have a passion for it, you would have needed to have got out of it and do something that you enjoy. Life's too short, and that's one of the things we want people to understand on here. What you've got to be happy. It has to be your, – your life is too short to be able to be miserable in something – Right now, you can find a job anywhere. And then it, find something that you love and, you know, just pray about it and follow the Lord's will. But that's what I believe that each day that was that way. And I know you mentioned something, Tracy, that was big, uh, the relationships with kids. That's, that's what I miss about coaching mm-hmm. more than the mm-hmm. X's and O's, the wins or anything like that. Scott, tell me about some of that, about your, you know, some, that's probably the best memories that you can think of. It is now looking back 
it is the sustained relationships that you keep with some former players. Mm-hmm. And, and it's impossible, especially if you coach football, but if you coach all sports, you lose contact with a lot of your players. Right. Um, and, and sadly, you have players that end up going astray and having problems and it bothers you, but it, those things are going to happen. But when you have uh, a sustained relationship with with a player, a former player, and if they ever make a, com- a comment, uh, hey, you know, I just want you to know that you had a big impact on my life. Yeah. All the the losses, and I've had a bunch of them. Uh, all the you know the times that you go through, and she knows this when you're going through a bad season or it's been a bad loss, and you just want to quit on everything. When you hear that, because when when you're going through that stuff, you think, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. But when you hear that, you think it's worth it. And on the back end of it, when you can have those relationships and hear those things, um, it makes what you did, even sometimes when it was not the greatest season, you weren't having the most fun, uh, maybe it, 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 you look back and say, hey, it was worth it. Right. And I was just thinking about, like, you guys are, are like us, both being in education, I think that that helps in your relationship in that you – you understand what each other's commitment is on a day-to-day basis but now I'm also thinking Tracy for you what was it like for you being a coach's wife the struggles I mean it's it's an experience tell us a little bit about that it's an experience but we've always been partners in it mm-hmm. and I, I always tell every young coach's wife that I see make yourself a part of it yeah. because I think that if you don't make yourself a part of it, you eventually become to resent that time mm-hmm. that is taken away, you know, from home to be, be with uh, sports and some, you know, at practice or games or whatever. So we, we've always just gone through the coaching together, whether it was, um, you know, anything, keeping the scorebook in yeah. basketball or, uh, <laughs> Cleaning, you know a little about that, don't yes, you, man? Yes. Cleaning, um, you know, when he coached football, I, yeah. I went and cleaned every Saturday morning and washed all those uniforms mm-hmm. and everything because they didn't have much help. So right. Do we the just, hospitality room <laughs> exactly. every tournament that Every comes Thanksgiving for <laughs> years and years. Uh, one o'clock so. in the morning after a loss when I'm telling you that I'm quitting. And, <laughs> yeah. Toss uh, you off the ledge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and that right there brings up, I mean, we'll – talk about that let let's we'll talk about your family first and then we're going to come into that because i know you and most everybody in this generation they're going to know you from taking those teams to the final footballers and doing all that that you did in basketball and all that there was times that things weren't great and you know what people out there listening we may have some young coaches and different ones listening we've all been there and i'll share a little bit on some of mine that way you know at times you could think I mean, I'm a pretty good coach. But then the next year, I'm the worst coach in the universe. And so we'll talk about some of that. But tell us about your family, uh, about, you know, your children and all. Well, first of all, um, Drew and Kobe, mm-hmm. uh, our, our oldest two boys. Uh, Drew, like I said, he's at Good Hope, and, and I'm having an opportunity. Now, how old is Drew? 
28. 28, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to let her say I, all I, the that, ages. That's why I look, because, because I I'm the same her. way. I think he's setting you up to prove to me that other men don't remember those things. Too. <laughs> I'm horrible with dates. I'm glad just it's to remember about. my anniversary date, okay? Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. but you know what drives her crazy, Scott? Is... I can remember back when that ball game and when so and so happened yes. and this and this. You can remember every, every detail. detail of how a play That's, went down, I, how you won or me lost. Me and you're very similar yeah. in that regard, yeah. and, and and we'll get. I'll let her talk about, uh, you know, our our the other four that we have. Uh, but uh, Colby, first of all, I was going to say that story is our youngest uh, Jackson. Uh, I know people won't believe this, but actually, when I took him to the doctor one time, I wrote information on my hand yeah. so that I would not be embarrassed when they started asking me information and they wouldn't think that I had kidnapped him. Well, and so now I put stuff in my phone like that. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking at a cheat sheet on something about it. So all right, you have two biological children and that's Colby and Drew. And Drew, you said, was 28. Colby's 25. And Colby's 25. Great kids. Uh, they came through Holly Pond. Great ball players. Uh, I know y'all are very proud of them. And Drew, you said, is a coach yes. and a teacher at Good Hope. And what does Colby do? Colby's in the ministry. Uh, Colby started out and uh, got a degree, mm-hmm. got got an education degree. And then he went to Southeastern uh, Seminary yeah. uh, in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And then during that time, uh, we had an opening at our church uh, for associate pastor, mm-hmm. youth pastor. And he was called back, and he finished the rest of his... He had another year to go or so, and he finished it online. And he came back, and that's the role that he's at right now. And they actually built a house just on our property. Uh, just You can't see their house from our road, but it's just like two... From where, from our house, but it's like two-tenths of a mile from our house. Uh, he has... They have two children. Have two. Him and Adrian have two children, so we have the grandchildren really close to that's us. Good. And, and he... Uh, so he's got that role right now, and he's also actually driving a bus for Good Hope. Well, that's good. That's super. <laughs> yeah. Is um, now you have that was your two biological kids. So now you've got a, a twenty-eight and twenty-five year old. So one day I saw y'all at a ball game, and I was like, "Who are those kids?" I think that's probably the same ball game. I was thinking, like, I remember seeing y'all walk across, and there were these little kids, and they, and I'm like. Wait a minute. Do they have grandkids that we don't know? What have you missed here? So tell us tell us about that. Well, officially we feel like we're a family of twelve. Yep. You know, uh, we have two daughters in law, you know, mm-hmm. Drew and Paige and Colby and Adrian and and then they have Elion and Lincoln and then at home we still have uh, Violet is 15, Terry is 11, Lizzie is 10, and Jackson is 8. Wow, and they're growing up. They and, uh, I can't believe they're that old. Yes. I mean, because the youngest was in diapers, right? Yep. When, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about them in a little bit. We'll talk about how they kind of come to have the children and, and kind of... I guess it's that'll keep you young right there, uh, and uh, we'll make you old. Yes, and you know you were talking about Colby being a, a pastor. Now one of your uncles was was he a preacher? Gerald. Gerald. Yeah, he, he started out actually in education, yeah. and then he, he, he was dad from, was a pastor too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Well, see that's that's good. So to keep it in the family, all of it there. <laughs> and uh, Gerald Adams, I think he was the one that was at John's Chapel, mm-hmm. and a lot of my family really think the world mm-hmm. of him. And everything, and uh, but uh, your dad was a longtime coach, successful coach, and uh, you know I remember some of the rivalries they had with 
West Point with Mickey Campbell, and then you had Danny Welburn oh, at yeah. Good Hope and Lane Horton at oh, yeah. Holly Pine. Mm-hmm. They were some of the veteran coaches, mm-hmm. and I mean, they had some battles with each other. Okay. And uh, any, any thoughts on all that? You know, you, you watched your dad for years. I, I guess you grew up in a gym. I, I did. I, I grew up just like our kids. Uh, we call it gym rat, you know, that you're just there all the time, and you you learn to play all these games at the gym. I don't know how many cup ball yeah. games you play where you get it up on the ledge. And I was the one that I got really interested in it when Dad started. I guess I was somewhere around uh, third, fourth grade, something like that when Dad started as varsity basketball coach at, at uh, Holly Pine. And and so I was. I remember having my own little scorebook. You know, mm-hmm. he'd, he'd buy me a scorebook and keeping up with all that stuff. And then I became a manager. Me and David Pruitt, good friend of mine, we'd wear matching shirts. So I grew up <laughs> um, in all of that. And he was my coach uh, in in throughout basketball. Well, in high school and basketball, he was also uh, the offensive coordinator in football. Uh, all my years of playing varsity football, and so um, it, you know, and there and that's. You know that's a bittersweet experience yeah. having your dad as a coach. It's a, it's a different thing, but uh, growing up in that, you know, that just I, I felt like it gave me a great foundation right. uh, to go into coaching. And so now we are now in the third generation with Drew. Now, did you ever coach Drew? Uh, well, only in I only coached Drew in youth league coming yeah. up. Yeah. Um, now, you ended up, we talked about a little bit there about, you know, coaching. I knew you, we coached against each other. You did the B team. And then you were, were you the varsity? Did you go to Vinemont for a little bit? In the- yeah, and, and going back to that, where you were talking about the coaching experience can be tough sometimes. Yes. Uh, the easiest route to take would just go be a teacher. Yes, <laughs> you know? that's right. And just be a teacher. Uh, and But when you when you step into that coaching arena, especially if you care and you want to win mm-hmm. and you want to be competitive, um, it took me a while to get my bearings on it. She can she can testify to that. I lived and died with every win and every loss. Yeah. I mean, a win was kind of a relief. A loss was devastating. And, right. And so right off the bat, see, my dad was coaching, and, and he coached uh, over a decade as the varsity coach. And I actually got out of college and was hired at Holly Pond and mm-hmm. was, was helping him as the, as the JV coach. And uh, as, as a lot of people know, Dad uh, had lymphoma. Yeah. Uh, his diagnosis of lymphoma when I was still in college, helping him as a volunteer. And then when I started helping him, I guess it was my was it my second year or second year I think, um, or third year. But anyway, he he got sick from it. It, it. it progressed. Right. And he had to get a bone marrow transplant. And he went to Vanderbilt for that. And I actually had to take over. Mm. Uh, in, in, I'm trying to think if it was my second or third year, but take over the varsity program. Uh, it was not a fun time. Uh, we would a lot of times have a game on Friday, take off to Vanderbilt, stay the weekend, come back. And um, it was very, very stressful. And uh, we, I, I, I talking about the details, I think we went 8 and 10, and that was not what Holly Palm was supposed to do during the time that I right. had it. Struggled with that. I struggled with criticism early in my career, things like that. And I, and I wasn't only doing that, but I was also coaching junior high football and doing varsity baseball yeah. at the same time. You know how you used to yeah, do all those things. And and so when when all that when it was determined that he couldn't come back, uh, he was not going to be well enough to come back and coach. He had to resign. And of course, I naturally wanted the job. Now looking back, I, I realized my older brother Greg was praying that I wouldn't get it, right? And, and things like that. But I was really heartbroken. And felt like I had been 
uh, Holly Punny turned its back on me when I didn't right. get it. It really hurt my feelings. So I wanted I stayed there for a little while and then just wanted to get out as quick as I could. And so I had an opportunity to go work with Ronnie Barnes at, at Vine Mott. First year was a struggle. Second year I had Josh Hambry. And if you got Josh Hambry, you're going to have some sales. Good. And so we, we did. And then I had an opportunity then to go to Fairview yeah. as a varsity coach. So I was going to go set the world on fire, man. I, I was going to be there for 25 years. And if you're at Fairview, you definitely want to beat Holly Punny. Exactly. I'm going to beat Holly Exactly. Pond. And I was going to, I was going to show them. Um, you know, they should have hired me, you know, and all this kind of stuff, just being honest. And and I went there, and after three years, um, I had great kids, but after three years, uh, with my uh, tail tucked between my legs, I limped back to Holly Pond, and they took me back. Um, stayed there for a couple of years as assistant football, assistant basketball, helping Chuck Gamble and helping uh, Jimmy McFelder in football. Uh, Coach McFelder resigned, and at that time we were kind of strapped in a situation of of, of coaching uh, where they couldn't really bring somebody in, so I ended up with a football job for five yeah. years. Um, I had that for five years, then stopped, uh, was out of it for a year, and then had the varsity girls for nine years. And that pretty much got me to the end of my career. Well, and a, a great part of it, and I remember asking you one time about coaching girls. Mm-hmm. You know, when we first started in, girls' basketball was a lot different. Yeah. I mean, when you and I grew up, and, and I'm glad that there's been changes with Title IX and different things because we all grew up, girls dressed out in the one area and the boys had one side and the JV boys had the other side, and it really was. Girls were kind of pushed to the side. And then a lot of changes have come in and now to see the growth in girls' sports. But, you know, now... The prestige of the girls and boys are pretty much even. I mean, when you look at different things with it. So you went into coaching the girls. When you first started to coach the girls, what was some of your thoughts about that to begin with? Well, it's funny because um, I, I had been one of those that I, I was helping with JB basketball. Right. And so, and just being full disclosure here, um, I would, after my JV game, I Honestly, I was in a situation where I wasn't incredibly vested into the varsity program. I right. was just kind of getting my bearings back. I was back at Holly Pine. And so I coached my JV. Uh, I'd go to Jackson eat during the girls' game. And then I would come back for the varsity yeah. game. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I was one of those that was like, uh, who, who wants to watch a girls' basketball game? Right. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, to be honest with you, when the opportunity came, um, two reasons I took it. Number one, I... I I love coaching basketball. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this would give me an opportunity. Mitch Marsh was a boys coach. He wasn't going anywhere. Right. And so I thought, well, you know, if I want to coach basketball, this is going to be my opportunity. Plus, Drew was about to go into ninth grade. And my thoughts were, okay, ninth, Kobe's three years behind him. Yeah. So I'm going to be going to varsity basketball for a long yeah. time. So I might as well be coaching. Be doing something. So, but when I took over, I kind of thought, well, I wish I would have went and watched more games because I'm not even sure what girls I'm going to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And so it was crazy when I thought about that. I didn't admit it to anybody. Yep. But then, as I started coaching it, and then you realize, hey, these girls, I mean, coach, yes, it's different, but there's also a lot of similarities. It's a funny story that just the other day, <clears throat> one of the Good Hope boys, you know, Natasha is one of my, Holcomb, uh, yes. Holder now, is one of my former players, and she's a volleyball coach at Good Hope now. Yeah. And she was sitting in a chair, and, and one of the Good Hope players said, uh, Coach Adams, or Coach Daddams, as they call me. That's the, yeah. that's what they call me. Good Hope said, uh, uh, did you used to holler at the girls when you coached them like you do the boys? And Natasha looked back and said, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes. And then, but, and there's people, we, we laugh. I go to church with Kelsey, 
uh, Hawkins. I call her Kelsey Hawkins, Kelsey Smith now. And she was one of my first ones mm-hmm. coming up. And, and, boy, she hated me. And I didn't like her very much either. <laughs> and, and we were just, you know, she wanted to leave. She didn't want to play anymore. She wanted to transfer and all that. And now, then we developed this bond where I feel like she's a daughter to me. Yeah. I mean, I love her. And she got to, where, to the point where if I wasn't yelling at her, she was disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it was amazing the relationships that developed. Uh, and I was at an age where I was kind of like a father figure to them. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of what it become. And, and, and like any teenage girl to their daddy, they roll their eyes and think, you know, he thinks he's funny, he thinks he's this, and they'd make fun of yeah. me and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it became, I never would have dreamed it. Two things I never would have dreamed. I would never coach, be a varsity football coach. I'd never be a varsity girls basketball yeah. coach, and I did both of them. So. Well, what was your thoughts on some of that, Tracy, over those years that you had to put up with? The roller coaster. I, I've had times like that. I remember my mom suffered from depression and everything and, and her nerves and all that kind of stuff. I have an addiction. Uh, I have an addictive personality. And I'm afraid if I was doing those other things, I'd be like her. And so I have to put it into stuff, whether it's working out, whether it's coaching like wide open, doing whatever. And I remember one night I had a team that should be winning. And they weren't. It's kind of like you talked about that 8 and 10. We were about 500. Mm-hmm. And I felt the pressure of the world. Like when I would go to school, I would think everybody's looking at me. They're thinking about me. They're talking about me. And they didn't. They weren't really caring. It was the other teachers. Everybody, but in my mind, everybody yes. was doing that. Yes. And I remember one day not wanting to get out of bed and almost wanting to pull the cover over my head. And... I realized real quick right then that, you know, I was, I'm heading in a dark place. Oh. And that's why I started running and started doing some things because that was my stress relief. I'd have to do something. But she could see those kind of times like that. I'm thinking maybe that's when my counseling career started. There you go. It was. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was so hard to see you so upset about those things. and And I don't know if... If I've ever been so emotional as when I feel that pressure that that people in the stands were putting on you, you know, when you can you can feel it, you can oh, yeah. feel the the attention, the, the animosity, yeah, the attention of the parents, yeah. and uh, and that's a tough thing. And so, you know, I'm going to defend my husband. <laughs> you know, that was those were some tough yep. years. Did you experience the same thing? Yes, yeah. definitely. And there were. I tried to ignore mm-hmm. I mean I'm quiet I tried to be non-controversial but there have been a few times in our lives that I've filled somebody's ear full yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's, had, the she's had one or two moments like she's that. always <laughs> had my back and an incredible coach's wife I mean just incredible even when I'm was being just stupid yeah and I look back and somebody and I want to bring this up too because somebody listening that might help um you talked about you were going you felt like you were going to a dark place right okay well, this one right here can tell you I went to the dark place. Right. For okay. a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, for a year. I, I mean, I, it, Fairview, like I said, I was going to set the world on fire. I had felt like a failure when I didn't get the job at Holly Pine. I was going to work my way up. Every part of my identity was tied to being a successful coach. Right. Everything. And um, I felt like in a lot of ways I was just really immature in, in, in those mm-hmm. areas, but it was who I was. I mean, I would be the type that, I look back on it now, and I, I can remember crying, real tears, boo-hooing, after losing a junior high football game. 
Oh as yeah. A coach. And I'm like, I look back on that now. I'm like, what are you doing? You know. And and but after my, it was my third year at Fairview, and uh, the first year uh, I had a good group of guys, and we were just not as successful as I wanted to be. The second year was okay. It was a little above 500 in the third year. The wheels kind of came off. I, I had some guys quit, and uh, I felt that pressure. Mm-hmm. I felt that caving in. And I remember Christmas during that time. I decided I'm not going back. And, and I, I told Mr. Patilla he was very, very uh, supportive of me uh, in every way. But the rest of that season was – I've never – you know how time flies when you get yeah. over it was almost like time stood still. Oh my goodness! It time stood still. I can still remember how that Christmas break never got over, and and so because when you're dreading things and you're dreading going to practice, dreading going to games, you know things do. But so after the season was over, then I'm resigned. Now what do I do? Everything I depended on it was all tied up. And so I, I I really did. I tell I, I didn't tell me. I used to think that depression was uh, was a figment of your imagination. It was for the weak. Mm-hmm. Well. It's not. It's real. And she experienced it with me, and she she walked side by side with me through the entire time. I mean, it was so bad that there was times I would get up and couldn't go to school. Right. There was times I wouldn't go to church, and I would send them, and I would sit and cry. Yeah. And I look back now and thought, why? You thought that was so important. It wasn't. But whatever you're going through at that time... It's real to you. Yeah, you can look back and, and somebody can tell you, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal." But if you're thinking it's that big of a deal, it is that big of a deal to you. Yeah, and you got to deal with it. And so, through her help, um, it gradually, uh, I still had residual effects of it for probably it went on for three years. Residual effects of it, but uh, for a good, almost a year, especially a hard six months, man, it was. Uh, I don't know tell how much weight I lost. Yeah. Um, and, and it came to a it came to kind of a climax when we were standing one time in the bedroom and I was having one of my emotional spells and she looked up at me and said, uh, you know it's going to be okay. And I said, I don't think so. And it, that was like when it hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, and that's why I want to be really honest. We talked about before we started this podcast about being honest. And a lot of times in the church, we're just, we're just not honest. We're not honest right. with who we are. We wear our costumes. But people need to hear that stuff because people are going through stuff. And when they hear that, they'll think, okay, I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, people think I'm weak because, you know, hey, I'm a guy and I'm going yeah. through this. Because you were raised, buck up, suck it up and go. Yeah. But when you get to that point, you can't suck it up. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, Chris Hodges, the pastor at the Highlands, Church of the Highlands, he's got a book about depression. He went through a very, very dark place. Pastors, coaches, a lot of times our lives are very similar because there's a lot lot of pressure. You know, I've never accepted a call to preach. I've always thought sometimes, well, I wonder, but, you know, I, I don't really feel a call to be a minister, but I think I'm supposed to be doing what we're doing. We're supposed to be spreading the word. We're supposed to be doing it. But, but I remembered so much, and my mom, my dad, my, dad, my mom died uh, kind of unexpectedly, you know, several years back. And my dad used to get so mad at my mom because she didn't want to go nowhere, didn't want to do anything. He said he couldn't understand it. Well, when my mom's passed away, my dad misses her dearly and can't hardly get over that. He said he finally understands yeah. it because he's went through depression. Exactly. And he it gives him a whole different understanding. You know, when you've been in that place, and you know what? What we got to realize, and you realize this, there's players that you've had that are suffering from depression. Yeah. Because if their situations are so bad at home, 
And that's the whole challenge right now that, that I look back. If, if I could be a coach again, starting with my mentality that I have now, I would be a lot better coach. You're a better coach at this point because we understand some of the little things don't matter. Things I thought was so important. And um, so, well, that's a, that's a great, you know, stopping point right now that we're going to go to. And then we're going to pick up on our second uh, part of this episode. And we're going to talk about your spiritual lives. And, you know, I don't know much about it, but I guarantee God had a big part of helping you get out of that point and and growing and then you know like tracy even about being that uh coach's wife i think this one thing before we close a lot of these young coaches i don't think their wives understand that uh or their husbands if it's a a female coach you know she knew what i did when we married Mm -hmm. so if if she had resented my coaching me being gone you knew what you were getting into now, some people get hired into a job and maybe they were already married and they didn't realize. And we'll, we'll talk about that kind of when we come back because I look back and sometimes my kids were in the gym with me. Your boys were in the gym with you. And, and if I hadn't had that piece, I don't know what I would have done because she raised my kids a whole lot and I raised mm-hmm. other people. And, and there was hard feelings sometimes about that. And we'll start that in the next episode. Then we'll, we'll go into talking a little bit about lives nowadays and what raising kids are like again. So thank you all.